The world didn't need another hockey podcast. It needed a better one. Bear witness to the two-man forecheck. Good morning, Chris. Good morning, Mike. Training camp is open. The first preseason games are ha- have been played. Uh, there was even a late sneaky trade uh, last Monday. Um, really? Yes, yes, yes. Uh, in fact, it was one of the players we talked about either last week or the week before. Uh, Nils mm-hmm. Lundqvist has been moved from the New York Rangers. Um, I'm actually kind of excited about this season. Um I think most of our listeners know that we normally do a fantasy hockey uh, league, and this year we decided not to, um, which is the, is honestly the first since I started actually writing or doing the podcast. It it feels a little it, bit weird, but it feels a little weird. It's been like eleven. I mean, we've been doing it for like eleven years, maybe more. No, uh, yeah, eleven's um, about right. I would do one if I was invited to it, but it lost the excitement for me. I mean, when it, it, I know that I know that some of the players are, are they're already saying all the right things. I mean, Matt Dumba in breaking news, he prioritizes preparation and focus. Really? It, I thought you would have prioritized sitting around the house eating Cheetos and watching Netflix. But, you know, that's just me. I think Matt Dumb is probably more of a Hulu, Disney Plus guy. Oh, OK. That's just my guess. I, I, I'm just saying, it, it, when you look when you're looking for because I was trying to get information, unfortunately, I missed the preseason game last night with the Bruins and the Flyers. So I'm looking to get information. I just thought that that one kind of jumped out at me that. They prioritize preparation and focus, and and they want to be better than last year. It's like they're already saying all the right things. It's amazing. Preseason and and training camp clearly has them ready to go. Hey, you know, getting all of those cliches to come out of your mouth <laughs> and sound authentic, really, really important uh, skill set. I, I imagine it would be. And, and, and and knowing when and, and I guess knowing when to use your phone, because one of the classics, still my favorite, is Tortorella taking the phone away from a reporter and, and explaining to the reporter's mom that he was he should be doing his job. <laughs> He's working. He'll have to call you back. Like <laughs> still one of my favorites of all time. <laughs> Legitimately, if I if I were teaching business courses, I would start every semester by playing that video clip. Uh, Literally I mean, I, every semester. Yeah, I, I, I'd probably open first day. Everybody sits down. Hi, I'm Mr. So and So. Before we get started, I need everybody to watch this. <laughs> And, and I'm sorry, I didn't mean to pull us off track. I just, uh, I know we've got track. lots to talk about, so we should probably get to it. <laughs> we never go off track because we don't have one in the first place. Well, yeah, there you go. Um, so where do we want to start? We have a poll that we talked about last week. 
There's the uh, Brendan Gallagher presser. Um, there's a mock draft. Uh, there's a lot going on with the Boston Bruins. Uh, some Seth Jones. Uh, you mentioned Matt Dumba. Uh, where do we go first? Uh, what is this sneaky trade that we made? I mean, since we've already uh, mentioned it, I, I, I see that Niels Lundqvist here, and I completely missed it. I wasn't aware that he was dealt. It was probably overdue. Um, this is one of those trades that you can see coming when you know the composition of a team. He was the fourth of at least four, uh, four right shot uh, or right-handed defensemen, mm-hmm. um, New York Rangers. They moved him to the Dallas Stars, who were in need of a little more everything. Um, and I think the quote of the day or the week for this uh, it, it comes from the headline of the of the uh, Dallas Morning News story on it, um, and he it, it's about him feeling that he has to step away. He gets to step away from being too careful. Uh, as a guy who is definitely offensively gifted, no matter even if it didn't necessarily show all that much last year, um, mm-hmm. you can see where. With more reliable, and mostly because they're more experienced, a lot, and a lot of that because they're more experienced defensemen in front of him. Where you know, if he made a mistake or did something that the coach wasn't in love with, um, that he might get pushed back uh, onto a little bit deeper onto the bench. Um, he had, I mean, he has numbers that compare to guys like Edmund and compare favorably uh, in the in the Swedish Hockey League. So uh-huh. it's, not, it's not like he's unskilled or the ceiling is low on him. The Rangers spent a set, a first-round pick on him. Uh, he's, he's expected to be a quality contributor at the NHL level. Um, okay, he but he's... But he's going. He's but he's going down to Dallas, where they've already got Miro Heiskanen, offensive defenseman. Um, can you afford to have two out of your six D spend more time on inside the opposing blue inside the opposing blue line? Uh, I think. On an, I think that both of them are more balanced defensemen. Uh, more two-way defensemen than purely offensive guys like, say, Brett Burns or uh, the early, the first 10 years of uh, Chris Letang's career. Um, and Dallas doesn't have the depth at forward to not have two offense, more offensive guys on the blue line. They really need that injection of flair of offensive prowess. Okay. Um, and the kid can skate, which means he's got a much better chance of being back in position uh, and the right position at the right time than a lot of, than a lot of players. 
I mean, it, it's 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 interesting that I'm, I mean Dallas did lose Klingberg. I get it. Who himself is considered an offensive defenseman. So I can kind of see the replacement. I mean, Klingberg's a bigger body. Klingberg, while not overly physical, is a little more physical. I mean, just from what I've seen of Lundqvist, I mean, at 5'11", he is five. He is 100 and what, 8, pounds, though? Yeah. And, I mean, this is an absolute upgrade from Colin Miller being your best option on your second power play unit. What did what did the Rangers get in return for this former first round pick? They got a conditional first round pick, um, and they got a conditional fourth round pick. Interesting. Uh, so the first rounder is uh, the conditions on that are if the pick this year is a top ten selection, uh, the Rangers will instead get the twenty twenty four pick. Um, and let's see, uh, for the fourth round pick, if Lundquist earns 55 cumulative points over the 2023 and 2020 or the, or over this season and next season, um, it becomes a third round pick in 2025 based on what we've seen in the lower level or in Europe from him. I think 55 points over 162 games is a gimme. Um, Okay. uh, I'm not putting him in for the Norris Trophy or or for, you know, league MVP. But you can't. They've already got the they've already got the Hall of Famer penciled in for that. So there is that. Um, But it wouldn't surprise me if he got. 40, 45 points each of the next two seasons. Um, particularly if he, if he gets put into one of the two power plays and can make it work. Um, I think this is a good trade for both sides. Uh, the Rangers have cap issues, so that even if they had kept him, um, there's no they kept him this season. Team term. Uh Lots of work to do. I mean, they have uh, he they have Philip Heedle to resign, uh, Sammy Blaze, Alex Lafreniere, uh, Julian Gauthier, uh, Dryden Hunt, all of those guys, uh, and more up front are due contracts at the end of the year. And on the back end, uh, Zach Jones and K. Andre Miller and Lieber Hayek are all RFAs. Um, and that's before you get to figuring out what you're going to do with your second goalie position. I mean, Yaroslav Halak is there now at one and a half. Uh, I mean, New York is expensive, so you're probably going to pay at least as much to him for another year or whoever you replace him with. Uh Wow, look at who they have on PTOs. Matt Bartkowski and Jimmy VC. Matt Bartkowski? Wow. And his age is listed at? He's only 34. Why does the he? The fact that Jimmy VC is on a PTO when he was 
hottest <laughs> thing ever not so very long ago oh my oh my goodness he, he, he uh, coming out of harvard he he was he he believed he was the man and i'm all for having confidence in yourself but i think he took it a, a, a step too far when he was coming out of harvard it, it's not so much that he took it a step too far it's that everyone else decided to go along with it well there's that too Somebody, well, somebody, nobody sat him down and said, uh, Jimmy, you need to temper this a bit. <laughs> because if for some reason this doesn't work out, you're going to need to have a fallback. <laughs> you know? Hey, he's played, I mean, he still played a good number of years in the league. He's 29 now. He's played, what, six seasons? Yeah. Uh, he's played the 16-17 through last year, and they have him at a total value of almost $14 million. I could live with that being a not-quite-middle-of-the-roster player and making $14 million in six years. I get it. Yeah, He's just not... I mean, He's never impressed me. No, unfortunately, no. And again, like I said, I'm all for selling you. You know, his best season was 18-19. He played the whole season for a whopping 35 points. Um, his first three seasons, he was healthy. Since then, it has not been pretty. And that's that's a big concern because he's 29. Uh, he really needs to have if he lands somewhere in the league this year, he needs to have his best year. Not just the best year in three or four years. He needs to have his best year if his next contract is going to be is going to be anywhere near what he wants it to be. I mean, he can go to Europe at this point. Uh, he's played more than enough NHL games where if he says he wants to play in the Swedish Hockey League or the KHL for the next, you know, three or four years, people are going to pay him more than he's going to make here. But, uh, and he'll get to play a bigger role. But if he wants to stay in the NHL and actually have a shot at being part of a Stanley Cup championship, yeah, he absolutely needs to have his best year. Agreed. But Niels uh-huh. Lund, I mean, as far as the Niels Lundqvist thing goes, yeah, I think it, I think just from looking at it from an outsider's perspective, because I don't know a whole lot about Niels Lundqvist, uh, but just from an outsider's thing, I'm thinking this is a good deal. You move, you didn't move a whole lot of money. You moved an entry level contract. Yep. You got yourself a couple of conditional picks. Most likely, both conditions are going to come into play because I don't think Dallas is going to finish in, as one of the 10 worst teams. I think no. they're going to be picking outside of the top 10. So I think that. So actually, I think that condition won't be met, I should say. I think that it's going to end up being a first round pick for the Rangers this year. Yeah. But the 55 points from what little I have seen of Lundqvist and from what I've read, 
sounds like it's completely doable, which means that it could end up being a third round pick for the Rangers as well. Uh, I think both, both of those things are going to come into play and Dallas gets themselves. Dallas Dallas gets themselves now a solid uh, from, from all reports, a solid blue liner. Uh, not huge. Like I said, 5'11", 190. Uh, the kid that they're, they're saying he's in a race with this Thomas Harley, 6'3", 205, uh, probably a little bit closer to Klingberg size. Oh, no. Klingberg weighed about what – or weighs about what uh, Lundquist does. He oh, okay. Dude. I mean, he's tall, but he's – needs a sandwich. No, I think it's a, I think I think it I think it's a good move for both and and again the Rangers now have about a million dollars in cap space, which is which is more than certain other teams we could name who's who are not going to be finishing uh, as late in the year. Uh, where do we go next? Do we want to look at the Mac the mock draft? Do we want to look at the poll? Do we want to look at? Uh, we want to just do that deep dive into the Bruins that we're both aching to do. Uh, ooh, I, I'm looking at this Brendan Gallagher presser because I know you had me talking. I know you had me looking at it to get some um, thoughts. Okay. Everyone knows we like Brendan Gallagher. He's a feisty little ball of energy on the ice. He's, when you told when you told me about this press conference, what was the first thing I said? <laughs> he looks energetic, hyped. No, actually, the first thing I said was, "Did he announce that he wants to come play for the Bruins?" <laughs> that that yeah, uh, he does not, <laughs> unfortunately. Um, and. But watching the press conference, because I watched I've watched his a lot of his press conferences over the last couple of years. Mm-hmm. And for the first time in three or four years, he looks not just healthy, um, but he looks he looks like he believes he can contribute at a high level again. Um if you saw him last year or even the year before, he looked off. He didn't look like the Brendan Gallagher who drew instant comparisons to Brad Marchand in his very first NHL games, um, who just had that vibrancy and buoyancy, I guess, is is the word I'm looking for. Okay. Um, and at 30 years old, he has it again. And he's got he's got a great team uh, of young players with him. Mm-hmm. If they like, we're looking at some of the mock drafts and some of the projections for the season. I find some of them absolutely hilarious because you've got Nick Suzuki, you've got Brendan Gallagher, you've got Josh Anderson, you've got Dad Knopp, you've got Hoffman. You've got uh, Christian Dvorak. You've got Kirby Doc, Jake Evans. Um, you've got Yuri uh, Slavovsky, Cole Caulfield, all up front. 
the defense is not quite as uh, sterling. And the goaltending is going to be a big question. But this is going to be an entertaining team to watch this year. They might have to win their games 6-4. I think they can do that once or twice a Josh Anderson, you've got some size. You've got Suzuki and uh, Caulfield, who are just silky smooth on the ice. Um, you've got... You've got Gallagher, who's willing to do anything to win. Um, you've got Jake Evans, who's, who's a really solid player. Uh, it's I, I, I've always liked Jake Evans. I mean, he's he's a. Unfortunately, they use him, and and it probably suits him more. They use him in a, in a bottom six in a bottom six role, but he is a physical kid. He can put the puck in the net. He's got a decent set of hands. I'm not going to say that he's. Uh, Nathan McKinnon or anything like that, but I've always liked Jake Evans. I thought he was a good pick for them. Uh, there are some things that concern me about Montreal. Oh, I'm not. I'm not picking this team to win the Stanley Cup. I'm not even picking this team to necessarily make the playoffs. But I don't think that this is going to be a bottom five, uh, bottom six team this year. Um, I think that any team that goes into into that building or has Montreal show up on their ice who isn't locked in and ready to play that night, whether it's through injuries or illness, locker room squabbles, um, they're going to get hogtied and abused. Uh, this forward group can absolutely run you over. I, yeah. I mean, it's I like it. It's not star-studded like the, like the uh, say the, the Avalanche or the Leafs, but you've got a variety of styles of play of legit NHL players among this. When you look at when you look at Toronto as the comparison, must we? Their guys are pretty similar. They're finesse players, most of whom play on the perimeter and whatever else you want to say about Mike Hoffman or Brendan Gallagher or Josh Anderson, they're going to go to the net. They're going to hit you. They're going to take a hit and they're going to keep playing. We've seen guys in other cities. They take their first or second hit of the game and they check out and they play, you know, four feet from the wall to seven feet inwards from there, and they never get closer to the net uh, if they can help. Uh, as I said, I'm not picking the Montreal Canadiens to make the playoffs or win the cup. But this team is going to surprise and hurt a couple of teams on a regular basis this season. Okay. And I can't disagree with that. I mean, like I said, my concerns are things like, okay, yes, we know, yeah. we know what we know what the goaltending is. And to be quite honest, I think that Jake Allen is. No, I'm not giving him a Vesna, but I think he's better than people um, looking at him might think. I to have moved him to keep Bennington back in 
St. Louis when they did. I is is this the start? And my second is this the start of a newer, nicer Brendan Gallagher? I want the Brendan Gallagher that plays like Brad Marchand. I want the Brendan Gallagher that is scrappy, that is getting under your skin, that is letting you know that he's going to live rent free in your head. That and watching that presser, the one thing I thought was he seems happy. He's smiling. He's joking with the press. I know that it's preseason, but he's joking about Chris Weidman coming up to give him a hug and punched him in the face. Yeah, it's there's more when people are hurt, when they don't like the situation they're in, when there's other all sorts of other distractions, it, it affects your personality. It affects the way you interact with others. And this is Brendan Gallagher that we remember from his first three or four seasons, um, even even coming a little bit later into his career than that. As of now, he's signed to a contract that runs through the end of the 26-27 season, 30 years old this year. Decent money. Significantly older than the young core of the team. Uh, if you're building around Suzuki and Caulfield and some of the guys who are still in uh, still in uh, the development cycle for the Habs, Kirby Doc, who you gave a four-year deal to. I mean, my question on Gallagher though is, should he hit that 25 goal mark this year? Mm-hmm. Whether he gets moved just before the deadline. Um, or in the off season, what's the trade value on him? Four years, six and a half million. Yes, he has a sixteen no trade list. That's only six teams, and they're probably all teams that would be in the basement for two or three years to come. So if you're looking to trade him to a player that's in the middle, upper middle of the, you know, about a playoff team at the deadline. Because yeah. deadline's going to inflate his value anyway. Deadline's going to inflate his value, but I think even offseason heading into next year, it's going to be pretty solid. Um, if he can if he can get to that 25 goal mark or be on pace for 25 at the deadline. Um, where do you think that value is going to be or would be if Montreal decided to move it? Montreal rebuild in, in Montreal's in in the I hate to use the term rebuild. I'm trying to find some kind of alternate. No, it's it's what they're doing. I mean, they've got a boatload of draft picks this year: three, four, seven, nine, ten. They got eleven picks at in the 2023 draft. Uh, I can see them wanting to add. I'm thinking it's going to be like a second or I don't think I don't think it'll be a first. I think a first might be a stretch for him, but unless it's at the deadline where everybody overpays. And I think it would have to be for that for anyone to be comfortable with him being at that 25 goal uh, pace uh, because he hasn't been healthy in a couple of seasons. And that's just that's why I'm thinking it's more likely going to be either a second or conditional second and a third or, and then there might have to be some sort of, 
there almost certainly has to be a roster player or a prospect. Yes. Um, I think Montreal's, I mean, Montreal's biggest need is quality defensemen. Um, well, that, that's what I was going to get to because they traded Romanov in the offseason. I mean, why? Um, looking at their looking at their blue line, I don't know that there's anyone I would pick to be the guy who is playing 32 minutes a night for me in the Stanley Cup finals on that blue line. In fact, I'll say there isn't. Um, so if they can go out and get a quality 25, 27-year-old defenseman, doesn't even have to be a top-pairing defenseman, but just someone that can help build around. Uh, I mean, you mentioned his name earlier, so he's in the top of my mind, even though, and I've always liked him. Um if for some reason the actually it it's a trade that could make sense. Um, Matt yeah. is a UFA this season or <clears throat> next July. Um, he is 28 years old. Mm-hmm. And yes, he's an alternate captain, but so is Gallagher. Um, all, and the and the Wild are going without a captain this year, which is something I always find a little bit mad. Oh, no, wait, that's Minnesota. No, no, I'm sorry. That's Winnipeg's talking about the captain. But, yes, Winnipeg Strip Wheeler. We talked about that last week. Um, it might make sense for the Wild to get a little bit deeper forward. Um, but the... Uh, if they're going to if they're going to deal Dumba, it's going to be end of. They're not going to deal Dumba at the deadline because Minnesota, in my guesstimation, is going to be in contention for a playoff spot, and I can't see them selling off a Matt Dumba at the trade deadline when they're fighting for playoffs. So if they're going to deal Dumba, in my eyes, it's going to be at the end of the season, before free agency, and I honestly think that. In my humble opinion, I think that Gallagher, I think Brendan Gallagher, if he's going to be moved, is going to, he would be a deadline. I I don't know about his contract status with with the four years left on his deal and, you know, three seasons of uh, injury bug. And is he movable at the deadline? I think that playoff teams might be inclined to give him a, a chance. I don't think I don't think the two are kind of a star-crossed lovers thing. I can't see one being moved for the other, if you know what I mean. I, I can understand that. Um, it's a, it's a nice thought. A potentially interesting move, although I uh, or landing spot, although I'm not sure what the configuration of uh, the package going back would be. The New Jersey Devils have a plethora of young players. Uh, they do. Tatar is 31. He's a UFA. Um, most of the middle of their roster, of their forward group, is 27 to 31. You've got Tatar, Johansson, Wood, and Halla 
all UFAs come summer. Um, what are more of them going back in exchange for Gallagher with an additional pick? Interesting. Especially, especially if you're heading into the playoffs with a healthy Gallagher to provide that grit, sandpaper, um, that energy. So what defenseman are the Devils sending in, sending that's, back to Montreal? That's, that's the package that would someone would need to figure out. I mean, if I'm them, I'm not giving up John Marino for anything. Uh, <laughs> nope. <laughs> and, I'm, and they're certainly not giving up Simon Nemich uh, this soon. Um, maybe there's one or two of the younger kids. Uh, I know Alexander Holtz is someone people think really highly of uh, as a as one of the forward prospects. Um, their defensive prospects I'm a little less familiar with. Um, so that's something that I would have to look into, but I did say, I'm not sure where, where the, uh, where the, what the return would be. Maybe pure picks would be enough. I mean, this draft is supposed to be super deep in 2023. If they could get a first round pick as a straight up uh, that'll be, you know, 22 in the 22 of the draft this year. Mm-hmm. That that might do it for me if I'm trying to clear cap space as for the Canadians, and I definitely want to get younger. And when you're looking at Jack Hughes and Nico Heischer and even Jesper Brad, uh, there's no playoff experience between them. Even, and Jesper Rosas and Nathan Bastian, same thing. No playoff experience. Um, yes, you have Andre Pilat signed uh, for a couple of years. Okay. But of everyone else on their forward group, no. There's just no playoff experience. On the back end, yes, you've got Marino and Hamilton. But look at that team and tell me that there's a player – more determined to leave it all the I'm trying to. I'm trying to figure. I'm looking at the. I'm looking at their roster. I'm trying to figure out what Fitz. I'm trying to figure out where Fitzgerald's going with this. Because seventy percent of their forward group are free agents at the end of the season. Yeah. 70%. 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9. Yeah. They have four guys signed beyond the season. <laughs> and one of them is is, Durst, is Dawson Mercer, who's on an EL, on his ELC, which expires at the end of next season. Um, <laughs> the only three people you have signed beyond anything are the aforementioned Andre Palat, Nico Heischer, and Jack Hughes. That's it. <laughs> and then you have a couple of defensemen that are signed beyond Dougie Hamilton, whose contract is unmovable. They did just give Siegenthaler, and and I think it was a good, I think it was a good move to get Siegenthaler nailed down a little bit. I mean, I think he's a decent defenseman. They didn't overspend for him. I think three, no. I think where he is at three point four is is good number. He's I think not. They have a solid goalie tandem too. I, their goalie tandem, I, I have more faith in than I do Montreal's right now. Yeah, I'm. I'm. I want to see Mackenzie Blackwood healthy. 
but yeah, I do. I it's going to be interesting to see how they manage both Vanacek and Blackwood, who have both been number ones. Uh, obviously, you're you're going to have yourself a little bit of a goalie competition going on there. But how do you tell one of them, and one of them being the guy who's been your quote unquote number one, even though he's been out a bit of time? How do you tell Mackenzie Blackwood? Yeah, you're going to have to take a backseat to this guy we just traded for. I, I don't know. It's I know they're professionals, but that's still going to be a shot to the ego for Blackwood. I I mean, if as professionals, all they really need to do, and yes, they were playing on different teams, and yes, the Caps had Carlson and other useful defensemen. Look at their look at their save percentages over the last couple of years. I mean, Blackwood probably has a few more. Blackwood does actually have more NHL games though. He's got yep. 30 NHL games. Vitek Vanacek only has 79 uh, regular season games. Yeah. Um, I mean, if you're really worried about it, yes, uh, Double V does have those three playoff games, but. I would try and erase those from the memory of human history. Yes. For him. Yes. If I were him, I'd pretend they didn't happen. If there was any possibility of doing that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> wait, 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 wait. Oh, stop. Wait. I did not notice this until just now. I think we have to officially throw New Jersey Devils into the playoff mix. Oh, are you looking at their PTOs? The, on a professional tryout, I don't know how he slipped through to this level. And I, I am more at fault for this than anything because I backed this young man when he was drafted. I knew it was too high, but I thought maybe. But Zach Senishin is on a PTO with the New Jersey Devils. I'm actually more shocked that Thomas Hickey is on a PTO. <laughs> Because I never had any faith in Senechin, ever. I know you didn't. Um, I had hope. I met his mom. She's a sweetheart. We talked a couple of times at development camp. Talked about how Zach, when he was a young boy, dreamt about actually playing for the Bruins. and all. It, 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 it pulled at the heartstrings. It got me going. I, I had hope. Unfortunately, it never worked out. And honestly, I think he was drafted too high, and I think that put undue expectations on him. I think if he was taken where he should have been, and, and the ex- been taken, and the expectations were tempered to where he should have been taken, I'm not saying that he would have succeeded any more than he did, he has or hasn't. But I think it would have been easier to swallow as far as uh, certain GMs who will remain nameless that messed up that entire draft. Um, anyway. Oh, wait. He was part of that elite 2015 draft class. Of- third pick. He was the, yeah. third of, was the third pick of the three. And everybody nice. at the time said, oh, steal the draft, steal the draft. And then there were like three or four of us who went, no, too high in the draft. No, <laughs> there was literally nothing in his junior career prior to that point that which, justifies him being a first round pick. Which eerily enough, he was. I was. We were saying too high at the draft, 
it was something that we thought, well, maybe that was Sweeney's problem at the time was that, you know, too high at the draft. But anyway, I. Yeah, if only if only I am, he's, I'm uh, not inferring anything beyond that statement. That's it. Of course, <laughs> no one no one could think otherwise. Good. Uh, it, yeah, Detroit. I, I mean, Detroit. Yeah, oh, geez. New Jersey. It. it it's. It, again, don't know what Fitzgerald's going to do. I mean, I know he's. Uh, wow. Yeah. Sharon Govich, they need to give him an extension. I mean, he's obviously an RFA with uh, arbitration eligible, but they're not letting him escape. Um, Tatar at 31, do you let him walk or do you? They've got some interesting decisions to make. I think that bringing Gallagher into this, I think bringing Gallagher into this mix would be. It would be a lot of fun. But for this, the thing is that he's not, unless they're surprising everybody and contending, and I I know I joked about contending for a playoff, unless they surprise everybody and they are contending, bringing him into this, especially with the situation of they have nobody signed. I mean. The four seasons left for him, though, it gives them another piece to build around. But it's six, but his but his six and a half million is going to affect their ability to sign Jasper Bratt, Yego Sharangovich. Um, you're going to have to get bridge deals, and we know it. They're not gonna, getting their they're not getting eight and ten million dollar contracts next year. They're getting four really. Seven. Jasper they're, Bratt's at five and a half, and he's well, arbitration Jasper eligible. Jasper Bratt maybe. I mean, he was one of the best. He was probably the best player no one was talking about last season. I mean, Howell is going to be gone. Paula will be back in Minnesota. If you try to trade Thomas Tatar back to Montreal for Brendan Gallagher, I think Tatar would actually throw a hissy fit. I don't know that he was wild about his time in Montreal. And no COVID and no COVID restrict. Well, restrictions in Canada aren't the same as they were. Uh, supposedly, uh, they are going to be uh, removing the restrictions about passing the passing over the border. Well, I'm not even talking just about that. There were like eight o'clock curfews in a lot of Canada for everyone for a good portion of the high pandemic okay like you couldn't leave your house for months so so to answer brendan gallagher what's he worth probably uh probably a a second and yes some form of roster player and or mid-level prospect okay that that sounds reasonable. It sounded when you first started when we first started the topic like you were saying just a second round pick, and I'm no. all the players who are completely terrible who have there's gotten got, more than that. There's got to be more than that. And like I said, if it's at the deadline, you could probably bump that up to depending on who it is. You could probably steal their first, or you'd get multiple seconds. 
it's still gonna ha- you're still gonna have to throw in a roster player, and I think that honestly Montreal wants like Arizona. I think that they're trying to build up their talent pool at the lower levels and and then see what they've got. So yeah, I'm thinking seconds, possibly a first roster player, and no lower than mid level prospect, and maybe even higher again, depending upon if it's deadline or end of season wow um just i like gallagher i'm not gonna undersell him i think that's i think that's actually back into the reasonable range um one interesting place that we haven't talked about him potentially landing which i think could be tons and tons and tons of fun would be for him to land somewhere out in like anaheim Um, anaheim Anaheim. Now, I keep dis- I keep dismissing Anna, and I don't I don't mean to. I just there's something about that team that that bugs me. I don't know what it is. Is a really weird mix. I mean, you've got Zegers and Terry um, as the young hope for the future, um, and Mason McTavish. I don't want to overlook him or dismiss him. But they still have. I mean, they still have. Drysdale in the back end, and Erho Vakaninen, if he can ever stay healthy, again a young hopeful. But that seems to be the big, big, big kaiju in the group. I have lost her past five. Frank. Healthy. Frankie V is out there now. What? Frankie V is out there. I didn't realize that. Because. I mean, if they can stay healthy has been the question of Jacob, Jacob Silverberg's career and Adam Henrique's career and John Klingberg's career and Cam Fowler's career uh, and Erho Vakaninen's career. Um, Jason, uh, John Gibson has had, well, he's not been as unhealthy as some other people, but it, they even have John Moore. Very, but um, okay. But that's that's been the thing with that entire roster is if they can stay healthy. Um, but if you add Brendan Gallagher at the deadline to this roster, you have a really great team, uh, like a potentially really fun to watch team. Henrik Silverberg, Strom, Vetrano. Um, not to mention the young kids we just mentioned. And then on the back end, a group that has the potential to be ridiculously dangerous if they have their <coughs> stuff together. Um, Klingberg, Fowler, Shattenkirk, uh, Kulikov, Drysdale, um, and then you know, get solid goaltending. Their head coach can get everyone pulling in the same direction and and mysteriously healthy and it would be a mystery at this point at the deadline and heading into the playoffs you know last month of the regular season if this team is hot I don't want to play them in the first round I don't want to play them in the second round and I don't care if I just came off a Stanley Cup win I don't want to play it Dallas can actually get this ship Pointed in the same direction, with everyone rowing in sync. 
This that, thing looks scary. That only happens if you find a way to keep John Gibson healthy. <clears throat> it. Uh, I'm sorry. It, it, very good. Very. They are very good and some very and some extremely talented. Very talented players. I like their back end. Bringing in Klingberg was a great idea. You've got the youngster Jamie Drysdale. You still got Shattenkirk. I don't know if he adds to the mix or just kind of. Eh. No, they need to find a way to keep John Gibson healthy. I don't know if you wrap him in bubble wrap in between games. Uh, it, Maybe you just flat out make sure he doesn't play more than three out of five games. And uh, that's your. You got to do. He's got. I think he's the key. And you've got to give him help. His numbers. When he had really good defense. And I mean, how do you go from a 2.22 goals against to a 3.19 last season? Uh, if if if. GA, if goals against average is a team stat, then that tells me that the rest of what's in front of him is, uh, or they're not giving their all. And if that's the case, because in 16, 17, so we're only talking five years ago, 924 save percentage, 2.22 goals against in 52 games. We're not talking shortened here. 52 games played, 924 save percentage. Last season, 56 games played, 3.19 goals against, and a 9.04 save percentage. Uh, I You've got to I improve in front of him and get him protection. I think that the if, if this team, as composed, is not in a in a playoff position by the end of Thanksgiving. U.S. Thanksgiving, not, not Canadian. Well, Canadian Thanksgiving is less than a month away, yeah. Like a couple if it's weeks. Not in a, and if it's not in a playoff position, you either need to make a big trade for the Dallas, uh, for, uh, for the Ducks, or Egan's needs to go. This roster is too good not to be in playoff contention in the Western Conference this year. Period. Klingberg, Fowler, Shattenkirk, Kulikov, Drysdale, and then whoever you whoever you want your six to be, whether it's Vakanine and White, uh, Mahora, I don't even, I, you know. Uh, so, uh, Simone ben, uh, ben, Benoit? Yeah, but whoever, that and six... The, did you look at the list of guys they have on PTOs? I don't know if this is just to fill out the roster and make every make sure that you're protecting some of your guys. Well, they actually have six players on PTOs. Three defensemen, a center, and a couple of wingers. I don't know. Do we count Rocco Grimaldi? There's a couple of names there that you could say, <laughs> do we count them? Because... I'm fairly certain I've never heard any of their a couple of their names before. Nathan Bolio, I I've heard of him. Uh, the rest of them, no. Yeah, no. Osipov, maybe. He's waivers exempt. Interesting. Um, 
Still paying $2 million to Corey Perry. Hey, must be nice to get paid by multiple teams when you're playing hockey. I I know I said it once before last year or the year before. I, I, if, if Anaheim is not going to make a solid push at getting back to the play, you got to send – I mean – Gibson's got to be a piece that'll get you a lot in return because here's a kid who's got the talent and for a team that. <laughs> okay. That, what? Yeah. I can, I hear what you're saying. At this point, if the ducks aren't in contention, they need to decide between today and Christmas whether they're going to make significant roster changes or not, or just ride, or just ride it until the wheels fall off. Because young guys are still young enough that you can get away with doing a reload while you're, while they're still developing. I mean, Zegris is all of 21. McTavish is still only 19. I think um, Troy Terry is Troy Terry is a little older. He's 25, but he'll still be if you can reload in four years. And I think you can do it faster if you make smart trades for the right assets. And I'm not saying you have to reload this whole team, but there are probably I think there are, what does the team have? I don't pick this team to make to win the Stanley Cup. Or to play, I like. I see them making. I could see them making the uh, like the conference finals, but if Gallagher's going somewhere, but this would be fascinating. I actually like this one better than the Devils or the or, or the Wild. First of all, they have multiple second round picks this year and next year. They actually have the cap space. They could trade for him now and have him for the whole season. They have the cap space. Uh, and you could send Carrick and, and the thing is that they they have decent uh, they have decent you they have decent talent in in the, in the AHL in the in the minors whatever they call it. I mean you're not going to get you're obviously not going to pry Sasha Pastajov away from them. I don't, I, I'm pretty sure they're not going to move on him, but they've got decent talent down the down in the in the minors, uh, as long as they don't make the mistake of taking John Moore. But anyway, I think that, and they've got like three goalies down in the minors. They got a 20 year old, 22 year old, 23 year old. I think that I I actually like this suggestion better than your first two. If you were going to move Gallagher, I actually like this. I think that they've got a good mix. It's not all youth or all veterans. There's a good mix. He'd be, I think, he'd be a, a good veteran leader for for Troy Terry, for Trevor Zegers, for Sam uh, uh, Max Jones. I, 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 I like I like this I like this move better than the Wild or New Jersey. Yeah. Uh. Now, assuming they actually had cap space, only other really fascinating place I could see, I, I would see him going. Um, 
still requires a good amount of tinkering and probably giving up more assets than they want to. Um, and that's Columbus. I think Columbus is desperate to get back into playoff contention. I'm not sure that their current roster gets them there. Um, I've never been that big on Guest of Nyquist. I've never been that big on Jakub Boracek. I think he's really solid. Patrick Line is hit or miss. Well, first of all, first of all, losing Tortorella was brick number one. I think that that was. And 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 the whole thing with him and and Pierre Luc Dubois and that I think that whole situation was what started the situation started the tumble to where they are now. I mean their goaltending is good. Merzlikens surprised us all a couple of years ago and and taken the number one job. I think that he was emotionally and mentally affected by the passing away of, of um, the other goaltender. I, I apologize for not remembering his name. The one that died at the 4th of July celebration or uh, the third, the, the third, the third string goaltender because Corpus Allo is still there. I think that that affected him a little bit, although he seemed to have come back, bounce back, have a decent season. Um, but I think they're a mess, and then losing Seth Jones, and like I said, one brick after another, and I think that that's they need to get back to that. Can they rely on the same guy who got them into the mess to get them out of it? The same guy that got them into the mess? Should they replace? The, should they replace Kika Line in the GM? He's been there almost 10 years. I don't know that they've ever won even a division, much less a cup. And they certainly haven't won a cup. Do they need a fresh I think in the front office? I think that is some. I think that is certainly something to consider. Uh, I also believe that there are certain other teams that probably should think along those lines as well. But I think yeah, that, yeah, mentioned them. I, well, we're probably going to be talking about one of them in, in a little bit, but honestly, yeah, I think that it might be time to consider making a change in that front office. Um, speaking of Seth Jones. Seth Jones, you like how I segued that? You think that I might have been? <laughs> he was interviewed earlier uh, this week um, by uh, Charlie Room. I can't even pronounce that. I'm not even going to try. Um, and he was asked about signing that eight-year contract extension in, in for the Blackhawks. Everyone looked at the Blackhawks before they traded for, for Jones and said, yeah, this team's in need of a rebuild. It's going to happen. And then they go and trade for Jones, and it's like, oh, I guess no rebuild. They're going to work. They're going to ride their veterans until the wheels fall off. And the well, wheels fell off. Yeah. Um, well, one well one of the wheels falling off wasn't their fault. I mean, Jonathan Taze did come up with that season-long 
malady uh, that certainly can't the team can't be blamed for that but the rest of it all falls squarely on that on the organization i mean you had patrick kane being patrick kane um mm-hmm. he appears to be one of those players who's who swims uh, at least once a year in the fountain of youth i mean 92 points in 78 games at 32 yep um, Alex Debrinkit, 78 points in 82 games. And he's gone, too. Seth Jones uh, was had 51 points in in uh, 78 games, and that's your third best, uh, uh, and that's the third highest scorer on your team last season. Dylan Strome, gone. He had 48 and 69. Yep. Brandon Hagel, gone, 37 and 55. Jonathan Taze gonna be is like thirty-four at this point. Only had thirty-seven points in seven games. I believe they moved out uh during the year. Um, where is he now? Is he in Detroit or I can't remember <laughs> he would still be there. But there were so many promising players who got to Chicago or who just had Apparently, Chicago plans to revamp Detroit. Yeah. Apparently, Chicago plans to completely revamp their entire forward section at the end of the 23-24 season. That's I have never seen. I'm looking at Cap Runley, and you look at the Chicago Blackhawks roster, and there is nothing after 23-24. I'm talking every single forward on the team. There's literally two defensemen signed beyond 20, 23, 24, and that's it. Well, they need it. Like, Apparently, Seth Jones and Connor Murphy are the only two people worth keeping beyond 23, 24. I mean, <laughs> that's just scary. It's like blank. <laughs> there's, there's UFA, UFA, UFA. It's blank. It's like, ah, who's running this organization? That's an even better question. Well, yeah, that's true. Kyle Davidson. Hey, they have seven and a half million in cap space, though. I mean, yeah, the good news is that they will have, after the end of this year, they have 21 million in cap space coming up from just Kane and Taze expiring. After the end of this year. <laughs> They have, they have they have almost unlimited cap space. Uh, I mean, wow. Um, yeah. Tyler Johnson, who's who I really like. I think most people do. He's their third highest paid forward. Um, This is what this is this is what saddling this is what selling out to win a cup does to you, I guess. Well, I think they sold out just to make the playoffs a couple of times. But um, I'm talking I'm talking about giving Patrick Kane and, and Jonathan Taze those contracts. You really can't blame them for the contracts at the time. Well, no, their 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 talent level between the two of them, the talent level warranted. And let's be honest, them. Kane's still just Kane is still justifying his salary. Yes. 
we were always more concerned about Tay's producing offense, which isn't the biggest part of his game. I mean, Tay's is a two-way, uh, selkie quality center. Um, Has he won a selkie? I said selkie quality. I didn't say he'd actually won one. Oh, okay. No, I'm, I'm, I'm. You don't have to look it up. I was just curious. I'm just curious. I, I'm trying to remember if he was actually. I'm sure he was nominated, but. Um. Yes, he won it back in twelve thirteen. He's obviously also won a Smythe, and a Messi, and he's won the Messier along with uh, a couple of Stanley Cups. And the odds that he is not in their rafters by uh, when he retires are. A question. Really non-existent. A question for a later time. We talk uh, Hall of Fame. <laughs> That's going to be a harder justification. Got three. Possibly. Got, got three Stanley Cups. Got individual awards. And uh, his his career statistics uh, might yeah, leave. Me, he was on that. Um, he was on at least one of their the Olympic uh, gold teams. Mm-hmm. Probably. Uh, yeah. yeah, we can dive into that. Uh, we can dive into that maybe in the off season. That's a perfect uh, discussion for whether Captain Sirius is HHOF uh, material or not. It, 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 so, but Seth Jones, back to Seth Jones and – because the headline says that he has no regrets about signing with the Hawks. Uh, I don't know. I don't know if, if uh, GM. Yeah. I can't think the, the young, the, the uh, general manager who was, yes. Yes. Who was before Kyle Davidson that actually signed him the deal. It wasn't Kyle Davidson. It was the, uh, the one who had to, Resign and I, yeah. Um, yes, because Kyle Davidson has only been GM since March. Right, because the other knucklehead had to resign because of other stories, which we topics we really don't want to talk about anymore. Right. So, um, I think that Seth Jones may have been fed a, a, a package of of. We're going to do this. We're going to do that. I don't know. Was it sold to goods? Maybe. It's entirely possible he was. Um, maybe Stan Bowman genuinely believed. That Thank you, Stan Bowman. Uh, maybe Je- Stan Bowman genuinely believed that they could get back to cup contention with Jones uh, filling in on that, filling in the blue line. Uh <laughs> The other thing is, you know what, if I'm Kyle Davidson and coming in as a general manager and I know how old Kane and Taze and the rest of that roster is, I want to put my stamp on it as quick as possible. But when but when they signed him, they had to bring it. They had Strom. They had some youth. They, there was something to point to and say, look, we've got a future. But they were also wildly inconsistent with that group. I mean, Kirby Doc, people still don't know whether he's... Kirby Doc's another one that's gone. They st- but people still don't know whether Kirby Doc is a legitimate first-line player 
or whether he's a really splashy third liner who's going to wow you three times a year and he's a big get to exist the rest of the year. But he's a big boy. Isn't he like six five? Uh, he's six four. Um, I, I, just, I don't know. I, I Seth and 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 six four one ninety seven for Doc. Without knowing, without knowing Seth Jones personally, but just from you know, seeing his mom's tweets and and and, and the fan his, his strength of family. He's not a guy who's going to be like, you know what? This isn't working out the way I want. I want gone. I'm on out. I got to go. I don't see him playing that card where he's not getting what he wants, so he wants to be gone. He strikes me as a type of guy. I don't know. He strikes me as a type of guy who's going to unless the unless the situation gets untenable, he's going to try and stick it out. I, I suspect that's going to be the case, too, which unfortunately for him means he's not going to have based on how long it takes most teams to reset uh, or rebuild he's probably not going to get to chase a cup in his prime and unfortunately the contract is going to scare away potential suitors for trade deadline deals and uh, deals yeah for playoff runs because I could see a Tampa Bay or uh, I don't even, I don't don't know if Colorado necessarily needs it, but could you, could you imagine him on Colorado's defense with Gail McCarr and, and, and and Sam and and Sam Gerard and and (laughs) Bowen Byram and use him. What? A team that could actually use him and would be really fun to add him to, even though I don't see it happening this year, anytime soon. Yeah, Boston, I know. No, not Boston. I, I can't. There is no way that the current front office would ever make a trade for a oh, goodness. young defenseman. See now, see, now you're using LNR, and that's not allowed. So. And as much as I like their current defensive roster. Uh-huh. Probably more than most people. Calgary. Oh, goodness. Calgary needs. Put him in Calgary. I know, but yeah. See, again, you're adding him to a team like adding him to Colorado, like adding him. You're adding him to a team that it's only going to make them more ridiculously good. (laughs) Fine, fine. Noah Hannafin, Rasmus Anderson. Uh, they brought in Wegar uh, in the in the uh, Matthew Kachuk deal. Uh, Valamaki's not terrible. He's pretty good. I mean, found out Shillington's okay. I, yeah, adding him to the Calgary roster, eek. Suddenly, suddenly the suddenly the West isn't quite so squishy. Um, another fascinating team, especially considering how much I like some of their forwards um, where he could probably do a whole bunch of good, um, especially uh, even including playing the part of mentor Buffalo. Right now, 
bubble team. I think if you swap him out and Haru and a couple of picks that they instantly jump to contender. In fact, I'll say it right now. If you swap him for Yokiharu and a couple of draft picks in the prospect, I would pick this team over the Bruins to hit the playoffs. They're contending for... This is a team that's going to finish somewhere between 12 and 7 in the East this year. Maybe even 10 and 7. Adding Seth Jones is not going to suddenly vault them up to 4th. I think if you add Seth Jones, I think you solidify a 7th or 8th potential playoff spot. Yeah. And I, I think that they would be a more solid team. If you added him right now today in the middle of training camp. I mean, I'm pretty sure Craig Anderson would thank you. Craig Anderson, <laughs> Craig Anderson would immediately uh, make himself the godfather of Kevin Adams' children. Well, Craig um, Anderson would probably drive to Chicago and pick him up. Drive to Chicago, pack everything. Um, and, yeah. And Eric Comrie might actually beat him out the door. He is a little bit younger to do it. Um, but adding him to that roster, based on the health of the two's teams, I can I would absolutely put them ahead of the Bruins to make the playoffs. Interesting thought. I don't know about putting them ahead of the Bruins. I think they'd be I think they'd be fighting battling it out for. A, I think they'd be battling it out. I mean, Buffalo, and they, and I know I'm going to, I'm going to use my, my contractually obligated one time of saying this, but you got young, you got young guys like Ugo Pekalukanen who, with a solid defense in front of him, because with a not as solid defense in front of him, and he only played nine games, I know he was hurt a lot of the season, but in nine games, had a 917 save percentage on that team. Who didn't have Owen Power? Who didn't have uh, a, a strong uh, defensive? Pre- I mean, nine seventeen save percentage. Yeah, it was a two seven four goals against, which was way down considering what he's shown in, in in his previous stint. I think that with I think that with young goaltending in front of him, yeah, bringing in a Seth Jones. I don't see Buffalo doing it, and I don't know if Kevin Adams can make that kind of move. I don't know. It would complicate their long-term, their medium-term cap. Yes. Because in you're going to have to pay uh, Owen Power if he's anything close to what you want him to be two years from now. You're going to have to pay Casey Middlestat if he makes the leap to roughly where they expect him to be. Um, but Tate Thompson's already signed to a friendly contract. To a reasonable contract if he continues where he was last season. And Jeff Skidder is the most expensive player on the team, but again, you have him for four more years. If he's cap your cap consideration there doesn't exist, I think it's a workable deal, short and medium term. And and if you're trying to plan past five years, you're 
you're wasting time. So if a reasonable trade could be worked and I'm Kevin Adams, I jump all over that in a heartbeat. Okay. If I have to trade if I have to trade my first and even two of this year's seconds to get Seth Jones, um even if I'm sending back Yoki Haro too, done. Done. Like not I would do that faster than the Panthers pulled the trigger on Brady Kachuk. And that's Brady Kachuk enough there. Matthew. Brady's um, Brady's still in Ottawa. I'm sorry, on the Kachuk deal. <laughs> I Matthew Kachuk. Yeah, you said Brady. I'm like Brady. He's still in Ottawa. Last time I checked, I I, I was watching the Sens, uh, a Sens Leafs game uh, just before we started recording. Ah, okay, that explains it. Um, but let's. So we got some. Uh, you got some Bruin stuff here. Yes. Matthew Grizzlick is recovering, and he says that this recovery is going faster than his last shoulder, which was thankfully eight years ago. Uh, for those who don't know, the original injury was in January, and he played the rest of the regular season, managing pain in a couple of games uh, and taking one or two nights off. Um, yep, he's a hockey player. And then playing in the playoffs. And so... Again, he's a hockey player. People were flapping their gums uh, <laughs> about, oh, he's not tough. You go play 40 NHL games. With a just with a shoulder that keeps popping out. Again, he's a hockey player. He's, the chances of him saying I can't play, they would have to cut the they would have had to cut his arm off for him to go. You know what? Maybe I should take a night off. <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> and then he's still got one arm. He might actually try to play. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, he's hockey players are a strange, strange breed. He's not he's not quite into the Bergeron level of self-destructiveness, but yeah, he's he's definitely a hockey player. Um, and I love the fact that he is just enjoying the time. Like he's a guy who looked healthier. I mean, it's training camp. Everyone should look healthy. He's not yet on the ice with their team, but he talked about the fact that him and Marchand and uh, Gallagher and Charlie, uh, Charlie McAvoy have been recovering together and he just looked super excited. It is interesting. Oh, period's over. Yes. It is. It is interesting that uh, it, he had another procedure eight years ago on the opposite shoulder. Well, it'd be you. I don't ever remember hearing about that. This is that but. was before he. That was after he was drafted and before he made camp. Uh, made the team. Um, he had a year where he didn't participate in. Did it was camp? I was going to say there was a year where he missed development. Yeah, I remember that. He did. He didn't show up to the first one or to the, or he showed up and just skated. No, because it says while well, he was st- oh yeah while well, he was still at Boston University maybe it was the second one there was one where he didn't show up that's right mm-hmm. okay um but that like his recovery being ahead of schedule is all I wanted to hear 
because getting at least one of those two back into the lineup when the other injuries are going to inevitably appear is is great news. Um, the two PTOs that Boston has are also worth talking about. Anton Strahlman, who actually turned in a pretty solid year for the Woo-hoo. for the Yotes last year, um, and then decided that he wanted to play in a rink that was bigger than his apartment. Um, I, sorry, I said that out loud. Um, I guess that's the part I'm supposed to say uh, just inside. I, I mean, I honestly, honestly, I wanted Anton Strawman seven, eight years ago when he was still with Tampa Bay. I, he was he he was the Dynamic. perfect partner. He was the perfect partner for Victor Hedman. Yeah, but even last year. But it, it, yeah, the Coyotes. What is he? Thirty two, thirty four, thirty five years old. He just so, turned 36 August 1st. So at 35 years old, he still had, what, 23 points on the blue line or something? Eight goals. Eight goals playing for the Coyotes. And he was playing He was playing 20 minutes a night. Yeah, so if when April comes, if he's still playing 20, 21 minutes a night, and he's producing at that level. I do hope they hang on to him. Assuming assuming they get him signed, yes. Because we I mean, it's it's a hockey cliche, actually it's more of a truism at this point. You can never have enough defensemen come playoff time. We know No. We absolutely know there's gonna be injuries. If you have this guy healthy, you still have some depth and you're not relying on whoever is going to be filling out the second pairing uh, in Providence uh, otherwise. And it gives you it gives you a little bit of a different look as well, because Strawman, while he's certainly not the most physical defenseman uh, ever to play, um, he's no, but that's played what... enough hockey at a high level that he's going to make different reads than the younger players or just players who have grown up in a different system. I, mean, I wanted him back when he was playing for the Rangers and nobody knew who he was. Yeah, you're not alone in that. Um, but we have the front office that we have. That <laughs> sounds like that sounds like a negative. Uh, it doesn't. Well, it sounds like a negative because it is. Oh, okay. Uh, on the topic of negatives is the not very surprising retirement of Zdeno Chara. Um, I was, saw this coming. I was somewhat surprised that he came back and signed the one-year contract. Uh, one day. The one-day contract uh, for to officially retire as a member of the Boston Bruins. That surprised you? I wasn't sure that he was going to give up well before the preseason was over. Nobody's uh, no, I mean the thing is nobody he he and Joe both went the whole summer with no contract offers. I mean, we talked about Joe Thornton last week and he's basically skating around in San Jose, but they don't have him on any kind of deal. He's just skating around the ice after practice or, or during captain's practices or whatever. 
Josh Gordon is one of those guys who I think is. It sounds they say it in wrestling a lot, but like he's one of those guys who I think would be entirely content to die on the ice. Like <laughs> Chara, yeah, and but Chara, he this is he sees here his home. He didn't want to leave. I mean. The Bruins didn't make him an offer, and he wasn't ready to call it a day. That's why he ended up going to Washington. And I, but I also suspect that there was something involving coaching uh, there too. Good possibility. I said but, it when I said it when Cassidy was hired. Do not spend 13 years in the AHL after having an NHL gig without there being an issue. And we saw all those young players come into Boston, do well for like 10 games, get spiked, get shipped out, and then recover. But back to Z. And so it, conference. I wasn't I wasn't surprised that he came back and signed the one day. I mean, this is he won his Stanley Cup here. He won his Norris Trophy here. And, He's the scariest guy in a bunny costume anyone has ever seen. Well, that yeah, that's true. I mean, that that's uh, it, it is a little disturbing. Yes, six um, foot nine inch bunny. Mm-hmm. But I was grateful that the Bruins front office managed to not um, step on their sword. Um, if you're at all uh, gifted in language and you know that the what the Latin root for sword actually is. Um, it's actually the same root as a couple of other words uh, (laughs) over the millennia. Um, Go look it up, and I'm thinking of one of those other ones. But uh, I I thought it was a great thing, and I loved the press conference. It was one of those genuinely human moments that there are not enough of in hockey because the NHL community doesn't know how to market people or they're afraid to market people. They're afraid of anyone being bigger than the game, uh, which I don't think really could exist with 32 markets. Maybe when there are 10 or six, sure. 32 teams. No, just not going to happen anymore. Um, I will miss him. If his name isn't in the Raptors in a few years, I would be rather disappointed. I mean, the news report, the news reports that I saw when they went, they, they, the first thing they mentioned was in a couple of years when his number is hanging in the Raptors next to everybody, you know, next to Ray Bork and this one. And that wouldn't surprise me. Is he Hall of Fame? Again, another discussion. I, I, we've probably had it multiple times. We're gonna have to do that one in the off season because I really need to look up his international contributions, um, and we'll leave that alone. As far as uh, the rest of it, um, what is what is? Yeah, I was gonna ask about that. Um, and then preseason game one. I refuse to actually sit here and analyze a game where Jake DeBrusque had 80% of the top six minutes of everyone on the ice for both teams. Um, I will say I thought both Jacob Blanco and Jacob uh, Zaboro looked good. 
of the with through one preseason viewing and all of this should have the weight of a feather at this point but through one preseason viewing you know it doesn't this is boston the two players that i want to see in the nhl based on what i saw last night uh at some point for the boston bruins are ashan and myself uh, actually, I I like Deshaun, but I don't know that I want to see him in the NHL yet. Okay. Um, are you talking about NHL ready players, or are you talking about? No, I I, I the two guys I want to see are Zaboro and Lysel. I want to see more of Lysel, Studnicka, and Steen. Um, was that the line last night? No, they were not a line. Um, okay. Marcel and Beecher were on a line. Um, Lasso was on a different line. Uh, Letary and I forget. I forget. I honestly forget the line combinations because it's preseason game number one. Yeah. Uh, nobody's going to hold it against you. Um, but. I really wasn't impressed by anyone else, and I would love to see, but I do think that basically, given that we've already seen uh, Ashan and Saboral in the NHL, I think we saw what we were supposed to see last night, which was the best defenseman in the crop, the most experienced defenseman in the crop, showing it. Okay. That's what I wanted to see. Um, the goaltending was. Not terrible, but unremarkable. Um, and uh, don't worry about it if you didn't see it. I did like the fact that John Beecher won 58% of his 19 faceoffs. Um, he had decent, decent faceoff man at Michigan. I mean, he didn't score a lot. It just I think that based on, and we talked about it pre-show, based on his draft year and the fact that they didn't have a second-round pick, and I think that Beecher was probably more in line for a second-round pick or a, I think, third round he might have been gone. If they really wanted him, they probably could have got him in the second. The fact that they didn't have a second-round pick, I think they reached and took him in the first, which was a little bit high. Based on what I've seen in Michigan, a solid player, but he's not a Lysel. He's not a Pasternak. He's not going to pour. In, I don't think he's going to be pouring in 50 goal seasons. Uh, no. I think. I think if you can get 30 out of him, if you can get between 25 and 35 out of him in a season, I think that's probably his ceiling. So I wouldn't. I wouldn't say that he's going to light up any figures. I think, I, I think Beecher is what he is. He's second line center, probably third line. And whatever offense that he really gives you is going to be gravy. I just think that that reach of getting him puts the expectations on him that he's going to be some sort of offensive juggernaut. And that's not his game. He's a solid Solid player from Michigan. He was a solid two-way center. 
no, I am not going to give him the 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 moniker of Bergeron 2.0. I would never do that to anyone. I don't know why they did it to poor JFK, but they did. But that's his game. He's a solid two-way center. And I think that if you can get 25 to 35 out of him a year, if you can get 70 points out of him in a season, I think that's where his ceiling is. And to put him on a line with a Lysel, I think that his capabilities of winning faceoffs, if he can get that puck to Lysel, Lysel being the silky smooth guy that you told me he was, I think that Lysel's going to be pouring the puck in the net. He's going to be more of the Pasternak guy that's going to be the, t- the, the, the top-level goal scorer. And that's what we're looking at. So don't overextend your expectations on Beecher. I think that you need to think of him as either a possible second-line, most likely third-line center. Absolutely. I think Chris Kelly plus is probably about. Uh, that's a good comparison. I like, like I said, I don't, I don't want to compare. I don't want to ever give the moniker of Bergeron 2.0 to anyone. I think no. that doing that to JFK was one of the worst things that they ever did. Um, but as I said, solid two way center. That's what he did at Michigan. Win faceoffs, two way, 200, solid 200 foot game. And yeah, if you get 35, if you get between 25 and 35 goals, you get 70, 75 points out of him in a season. I think, I think that's about, I think that's about his ceiling. I, I Anything else you get on top of that is gravy. I would put him at like 60 point top. All right. Fair enough. Listen, I, I really, really think that he is probably the best comparison for him. I like the Chris Kelly comparison. I didn't think I, I, didn't think of Chris Kelly, but yeah, I think that's a good. I think that's a solid comparison. He's not gonna wow you with the offense. Our next Charlie Coyle, even though Charlie Coyle is still here. Yeah, he's not gonna wow you with the offensive numbers, but he's gonna be solid. Um, and that's I think. Well, what's it? What are the results of the Twitter poll, real quick? I mean, oh, Twitter poll. We, we um, talked about the youth movement. Connor Geeky will, uh, with Connor Geeky and Dylan Gauthier headlining their prospect pool. Is this the year the Coyotes go all in on youth on the ice? 65% say yes. 35% say no. Um, I am absolutely proud of this one for one really big reason. And that is, I think it, I think the answer depends on whether the, uh, whether the Coyotes think it's going to impact their draft position significantly. Uh, the Coyotes have a lot of draft picks uh, in the next three years. <laughs> I think we I think we might have touched on that, but just to just you know. the first three rounds of the next three seasons. Let's see, uh, they have four picks this year. Uh, <coughs> next year, and then six picks the next year. So 14, 18 picks in the first three rounds of the next three years. Um, so they're averaging six picks. So it's six picks yeah. per year for the next three years. Okay, then. In, just in the first three rounds. And they have picks from everywhere. I mean, Montreal's is going to be a solid pick next year. It's not going to be – I don't think it will be top five. I don't think it will be – 
I don't think it will be worse or I don't think it's going to be a playoff level pick. So it's not going to be, you know, the 19th pick of the second round. But uh, and they've also got a couple of Edmonton picks, a Florida pick. Um, the, the only thing that concerns me with having that many picks is Bill Armstrong and the front office crew and the scouting staff. If you're going to have 18 picks in the first three rounds over the next three years, you've got to hit on what, 30, 40 percent of them, 50 percent of them. You've got to hit if you if you use those 18 picks on your first round picks, if you use those 18 picks and you only hit on two of them. You should never work in hockey again. Yes. Resume generating event. Completely agreed. Like you should legitimately if you can't get at least six NHL players and I'm talking guys who are at minimum going to play 300 NHL games. Out of those 18 picks in those three in those top three rounds, assuming you actually draft them all, which I do not believe will happen, um, it's Arizona. They're they're playing in front of nobody because it's what a 5,000 seat stadium, 6,000 seat stadium arena until they move into their new home. Air quotes. It hasn't been approved yet and we'll talk about well that. that's why that's why i use the air quotes <laughs> well and not the well the the arena after the 5,000 seat uh large bar um but not gonna take forever on it because it's a huge 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 question list uh, Bleacher Report, uh, Lyle Richardson, um, who also does Spectres Hockey, um, this very morning put up uh, a his Bleachers Report's oh, early 2023 mock draft. I figured we could spend time on this next week, but okay. Um, if we want to spend time on it next week, that's even better because we are running a little bit heavy. I, I, I want a chance to, yeah, kind of digest it. I, I found it this morning literally what. 20 minutes before the show. And at that point in time, it had only been out like 58 minutes or something like that. But I, I think that's a great, uh, great thing to move on to. And next week, those of you who get a chance to read it, drop us a tweet or two and let us know what you think. Um, for now, enjoy the preseason hockey. Um, we're going to, we're going to have some predictions. Um, I'm not predicting the Stanley Cup finals yet. Um, Maybe, but we'll also get predict some playoff teams and some and some first people out the door. We can also get Mike's opinion on the um, new new sponsorship patch that's going on the Bruins uniform. <laughs> no, we can't. Uh, we don't use that sort of language on the show. <laughs> Fair enough. Uh, that hockey fans is where we leave you. Uh, we'll be back next week. As always, you have questions, uh, comments, something you want a long opinion on. Uh, drop us a line and and or comment uh, at Podbean uh, on the show, twomanforecheck.com or twomanforecheck.podbean.com. Um, that's us. Have a great week. Enjoy the hockey.